The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. The Explorers podcast is sponsored by RM Capital, a provider of specialist small to mid-cap corporate advisory and boutique wealth management services. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columns for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Now, it's a great day with the gold price punching back through $1,800 US an ounce after spending a month below the psychological barrier. That's got to be good news for the gold stocks that have been taking a bit of a backseat of late to uh, the battery metal stocks. Now, if it's ounces in the ground with undoubted expiration upside that does it for you, then today's Explorers podcast focus, Bezra Gold, is one to put on the radar. Ostensibly a Canadian company with a long history, Bezra listed on the ASX earlier this month through a one-for-one chest depository interest system under the code BEZ or Bravo Echo Zulu, raising $10 million in the process. The CDIs last traded at $0.13, giving Bezra a market cap of more than $38 million. I mentioned the long history, which it has to be said is somewhat checkered, but we're talking about a new look Bezra today. The company has restructured, recapitalised and rejuvenated itself under a new look board and management team. So it deserves to be on the radar on the basis of a 3.3 million ounce gold resource at its Bao Gold Project, an easy drive from Kuching in Sarawak in East Malaysia, or more specifically, the part of Borneo that belongs to Malaysia. Apparently some $40 million has been spent on Bao over the years, which is more than the current market cap of the company. So we've got an interesting one with us today. And to bring us up to speed on the Bezra story and its plans, we have its Chief Executive, Ray Shaw, with us today. G'day, Ray. Welcome to the podcast. G'day, Barry. Um, yeah, very nice to be here and thanks very much for the opportunity to be able to uh, to present to your listeners the Bow and Bezra stories. Uh, I mentioned the existing 3.3 million ounce resource, which is as big as it gets uh, amongst your peers on the ASX. And obviously, there's a bit of a history there. Fill us in on the Bezra's background, and more importantly, I guess, the background to establishing that resource at, at Bale, uh, and obviously the restructuring, recapitalisation that's been going on. Look, there's, uh, as you said, uh, Bezra has uh, had a long history, and it's corporate happenstance that we're here today with a, uh, uh, with a new listing at 3.3 million ounces. And as your listeners will be well aware, there aren't too many new listings that uh, come to the market with that sort of resource. Um, Bezra has uh, had association either in its own right or through its antecedents back in uh, uh, at Bow in Sarawak uh, for about 15 years. And prior to that, it had been involved in Vietnam and uh, where it operated successfully to uh, gold mines. Uh, at that stage, it was able to provide uh, funding and, uh, as you've highlighted, um, Bezra itself has spent more than US $40 million on the Bow project. Um, because of uh, corporate happenstance and uh, things that have passed history now, um, Bezra uh, went uh, through a, an exercise of uh, 
rationalization. Um, it no longer has any interests other than its bowel interest in Sarawak. And uh, as you pointed out, we've just uh, listed on the ASX. It is originally a Canadian company, and so uh, its listing is of CDIs. Uh, the company itself, uh, because of the funding that it has put in historically, as well as uh, that of its joint venture parties, there's more than 250,000 metres of drilling has taken place in the Bow uh, Gold Fields, which is effectively a, a corridor of about 15 by 8 kilometres. It's located very conveniently about half an hour's drive from the capital of Sarawak, uh, Kuching, uh, has a, a population of about 600,000 people. So it's extremely well serviced with infrastructure. You know, we've got great um, communications, there's power, water, and uh, all-purpose uh, um, sealed roads throughout the, the entire region. And importantly, the Bow Township, after which it is named, has had a very long history in mining from the artisanal Chinese miners uh, back in the 1850s right through to when the last commercial operation closed in, in 1996. Now, 3.3 million ounces, as uh, both intimated, uh, you don't get that uh, with many ASX-listed gold companies of any scale. What's the plan from here on? Well, the, the thing is that, uh, in essence, we believe we've got the, the, the dragon by the tail or the tiger by the tail, depending on, your, uh, on which type of animal you want. But... Um, the 3.3 million ounces, and as you rightly point out, your listeners will know, uh, there aren't too many new uh, listings that, that come to the, the market with that sort of resource. And even if they do, often it's as a result of uh, a very extensive programs, almost exhaustive exploration, and they're at that development stage. Bezera is anything but that. Um, the work that's been done in the past identified the 3.3 million ounces in essentially uh, six main deposits. Now, the people who worked in those areas in the past and people who are working there currently have conservatively estimated that we have an additional exploration target of between 4.9 and uh, 9.3 million ounces. In other words, that you collectively could have something well over 10 million ounces. And on that basis, we're looking very definitely at Bow becoming potentially uh, top quartile new uh, gold development project. Obviously a very sizable resource and obviously a very sizable disconnect between the current market cap of the company and what a 3.3 million ounce resource um, would normally be valued at. Um, what's, uh, what's going to be happening, Ray, to close that discount, you think? Well, I think and, and you're exactly right. I mean, what you're doing is highlighting at the moment that the um, we have an enterprise value per ounce of uh, substantially less than uh, $15. And um, you know, with it compared to, to those uh, in the market, um, we, we are, we believe, extremely competitive, competitively valued at the moment. And part of the reason for that is quite simply um, in doing podcasts like this and uh, having only been listed for, for three weeks, um, it's about getting the story back out there. So it's about investors becoming aware of what it is that we are doing and um, and more importantly, how we're going to progress going forward 
to uh, monetize uh, by shareholder um, growth of shareholder value um, our uh, our assets that we've got. I mentioned earlier that uh, you know we've very much got the tiger by the tail, we believe, and that's because of the considerable expiration upside and the as we see it at the moment, uh, one of the key things about Bow, which is which really has us excited, is that it's been compared to the Carlin style of mineralization. Now, Carlin style mineralization, some of your listeners may be aware, is uh, it's named after the Carlin district in Nevada, and it's a disseminated type of gold, which typically you don't see in core or in samples. It's it's bound up chemically with, with sulfide elements such as uh, pyrite, etc. And so you only effectively know the gold content after you've done the, the assay results. Now, although it's a fine type of gold, and because it is a fine gold, it doesn't lend itself very well to gravity separation. So there are additional processing uh, requirements to, to produce a doray. But having said that, the Nevada uh, Carlin region has produced over 200 million ounces of 200 million ounces of gold, 6,400 tons, and it was the area in which both uh, Barrick and Newmont became the major um, mining powerhouses that they are today. There are very few of these Carlin-style mineralizations uh, in the world, besides uh, at, at Carlin itself, in Alaska, and perhaps in, in southern China. But one of the things about Bao is that it has been associated with style of mineralization. And as we know already, with the exploration target that we've got there, um, and the fact that we've got 3 million ounces occurring along a corridor, which is 8 by 15 kilometers, it's a very big plumbing system, and to date we've only scratched the surface. Give you an idea that 3.3 million ounces, 80% of that resource, lies within about 70 or 80 metres of the surface. So, so the, the geology that we've got, it's not just because of the geology, it's because the previous drilling practices typically only targeted the interface between a shallow limestone and a shale region and that's where the gold mineralization, the gold endowment was, was, was most evident. So if you like, it was low hanging fruit. They just went along and just, just, uh, uh, did their, their drilling at that interval. But there were other areas where whilst doing that, they came across and, and they were typically getting 1.3, 1.4 grams. But there were other areas where when they went back and got the assay results, they're getting 12 grams. And 15 grams, and the drill holes terminated at those depths. And the reasons why they terminated at those depths was until they got the assay results two or three months later, they didn't even know they were in the mineralization. So there are sweet spots around, and that's part of what our drilling program is going to address when we start in the next two or three weeks, is precisely going back to those places and forensically re-evaluating these sweet spot areas because they're the areas that are going to add substantially to our increasing our resource, and importantly, they'll also increase our head grades that we're looking at. Now, you mentioned the uh, drilling program. Uh, when is that uh, due to start? Well, we've been very fortunate because, uh, as I mentioned, Bao uh, has a long history of uh, of mining, 
And uh, the drilling contractors we've got are situated in Bow. Uh, they're very experienced. They've worked with Bezier in the past. So we've got uh, two rigs that are going to start within the next uh, couple of weeks. And uh, the crews are local crews. And in fact, uh, one of the, the things for your listeners, again, is to appreciate that you know, we're not a newbie company going into some foreign jurisdiction where we don't know what's going on. I mean, we've been there for more than 15 years previously. Yes, there was a hiatus there whilst, the, as I said, the corporate happenstance was going on and, and things weren't happening. But I, I can tell you that the uh, key people we're using, including some of our key geological people, are absolutely delighted that we're back there again and uh, been in touch with us and say, hey, we want to come and and uh, and. and rejoin the effort so there's a there's a real reconnect and a continuity of that knowledge that was around previously which we'll be able to leverage um as we go forward mm, of course apart from the long history of gold mining in in uh, bow itself across the border there in the uh, indonesian part of uh, borneo kalimantan you've got the what seven million ounce uh, keelian gold project mount muro i think was about three million ounces similar trend yes it is it's um, for those geological-minded uh, uh, people who are listening. There's a there's a, a band, if you like, that runs from the tip, and in fact, bows at one end of it. So you've got bow at one end, and it, it's an arcuate uh, uh, feature, the lineation that runs around through uh, Kalimantan, uh, including the, the two mines that you just uh, identified, and it's part of an old uh, continental margin back in the Cretaceous. And it was that margin that um, produced uh, the the types of uh, um, metallurgy that we've, we've now got. And in the mid-tertiary, we had intrusions come through and they uh, remobilised that, uh, that mineralisation within the deeper sediments of that former margin. And that's what we now see at, at, at shallow depth at, uh, at Bow. We've mentioned that the resource is across a number of deposits, known deposits. Uh, with your upcoming drilling program, what, uh, what, which of the uh, prospects is the uh, will be targeted? Um, we've got uh, a number of, of areas. Uh, key ones are going to be at Pedro, which is at the southern end of our corridor. There, we've already got nine hundred ninety-seven thousand ounces of uh, of chalk resource. We've got an exploration target in that area of an additional 1.7 to 3.3 million ounces. And uh, so what we're doing and for, for you to emphasise to your listeners is that our drilling program to capture some of that additional exploration uh, target is essentially brownfield exploration. There, there's a couple of elements to that. Firstly, Pedro is an area where our 997,000 ounces at the moment is all inferred resource. So what we're intending to do is infill drilling, um, and obviously the infill drilling, uh, you, you've got much better prediction of what your outcomes are going to be, and that allows us with the extra density of drilling to reclassify the inferred into indicated and measured. That's important because you need indicated and measured to import those resources into your future feasibility studies. Second thing we'll be doing at Pedro is, is pursuing, as I mentioned, some of these, these higher grade areas where the drilling just stopped at 70 metres, typically 70 metres subsurface, and, and trying also 
not only to increase the resource, but increase the grade. We'll then be looking at an area of Beckerjang, which is just nearby to the, uh, uh, to the Bow Township. And that's closest to where the, the last mining was undertaken at a place called Taipari. And, you know, some people who have heard of refractory mining in the past say, oh, yes, but the grades are generally low. Well, at Thai Parrot, uh, the mine uh, that was open, uh, it was an open pit down to 80 metres depth. They produced 1.2 million ounces at 7 grams a tonne. And uh, at the time mining ceased, it wasn't because they'd run out of mineralisation, but the commodity price had dropped to about $300. Um, and... and uh, uh, so we know that the the bow corridor is capable of you know much higher grades of endowment. And our final area of, of interest will be up in the north of Pedro, where we have again nearly a million ounces, but that's uh, in a variety of classifications from indicated, measured, and uh, and inferred. Now, which leads into the question, obviously, um, what can be said about? Likely timing of, you know, production slash development planning. Look, our development planning, uh, and it goes back, tiger by the tail, what we want to do is make sure um, that with our development, it's it's optimised. And, and uh, with refractory-type gold, you know, in a smaller deposit, you might produce uh, export-quality concentrate and send it off to typically an Asian smelter. But... As you start to build up your resource inventory, that then raises the options of, hey, do we go and, and take it through to final production and produce a Dore on site? So it's because we've got a number of deposits uh, along the corridor, the question arises, should we be looking at blending our, our ore, producing a standalone of any one of these particular deposits? What's the best way of going ahead? with development. And as part of that, because we're on a strike length of 15 kilometres, as you would well know, you would expect variations in the metallurgy. So we want to better understand the metallurgy. We've done previous, there's been a previous feasibility study at Jugan. We know that you know, the, the metallurgy in that area particularly well, but we also want to understand the metallurgy in some of the other deposits a bit better so that we can Basically, as I say, optimise how we go about the the development uh, scenario. Now, obviously, for investors in Australia, uh, Sarawak might be a bit of a mystery. But I was just wondering if you could touch on Sarawak as a mining jurisdiction, and obviously, in the uh, prospectus, uh, well, the documents in support of the uh, the recent raising, what should investors be aware of in terms of mining title in that part of the world? Uh, no, that's, that's a very good question. And one of the things that one finds frustrating is uh, in the past when you mentioned to people, oh, you know, we, we've got this opportunity in Sarawak and their first commentary is, oh, we're not interested in mining in Indonesia. And uh, so um, firstly, Sarawak is in Malaysia. And being in Malaysia, as uh, most of your listeners would be aware, it's part of the Commonwealth. And so its rule of law is British common law uh, style of law. So its minerals ordinance is very much the same as what you'd find in any of the mining acts that we have in the onshore jurisdictions in Australia. So the, the 
the minerals, invest in the uh, in the crown, and then you apply for a a, a, a license, a title to uh, to go and work the areas. Mining leases similar to Australia again, where you uh, a twenty one year period. So the the system itself is very similar to what we have in Australia, Canada, New Zealand, etc., and obviously the UK. Um, so and I guess the other issue is that Bezra and its joint venture partner uh, with it and before it have been involved and been exposed to the uh, to the deep mining ordinances for over 30, 30 years, nearly going on for forty years. So there's a there's a uh, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of knowledge, working knowledge on on how the system uh, operates. It. And uh, a name that. Uh didn't jump out at me, but your major shareholder with 30.6% Pangea, who are they? Well, they're a, uh, a Swiss-based investment group. Um, they came to uh, uh, be a major shareholder in, in Bezra uh, as part of the restructuring that I spoke of at the outset of uh, our interview. Um, so, so they were there back after the... Um, uh, after Bezra had pulled out of Vietnam, and they they took a position at that stage, and have continued to uh, uh, to, to you know show the wherewithal to continue with Bezra as it's gone through the process of uh, remorphing itself and uh, and listing on the ASX. None better to have as a substantial shareholder, I guess, the Swiss. Um, now. <laughs> The, uh, I mentioned uh, we, we talked about, uh, I think you said, a half an hour from Kuching, which is quite amazing. So in terms of uh, infrastructure, when it does come to a development, one, I would assume that you're not going to have trouble attracting uh, labour, and uh, two, um, telecommunications, electricity, all that sort of stuff, uh, all easily accessible? Yes. In fact, um, uh, for those who, who are interested and want to look at our, uh, our presentation that we've put out, um, you'll see there's, I refer to it as a drone's eye view of um, sort of an oblique perspective looking along the corridor showing the topography of the area and, and, and you'll see on the uh, on the left hand side there's a road system that comes down right through the, our corridor and there's a 66 kilovolt power supply that comes down through there so there's there, there's no um, uh, there's no issue with, with power. And the, finally um your background and what's your excitement uh, factor with Bezra? Look, very excited. I've been around in the resources industry for several decades. Um, I uh, have worked in, uh, in in various sectors from uh, oil and gas, uh, worked in coal, and then more uh, last decade or so more in uh, hard rock areas. Um, the good thing about uh, being a SEM, of course, it's very hard to find a CEO of any listed company who doesn't say a their company's undervalued and b they don't have the best project uh, since sliced bread. But mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, I've I've got to sort of say that exactly the same thing, but with uh, but with very uh, um, heartfelt reasons. And uh, the thing that excites me about this is is uh, uh, it does have legs. It's um, you know as you as you said in the intro. Um, you don't get too many new listings with this size of resource, let alone what the upside potential is. 
and um, and that's the thing that I see, and that's why I'm here today, and that's why I wanted to be CEO because precisely of what its upside potential is. You know, we don't, you know, this type of opportunity does not exist in Australia. That's for sure, and we've uh, got a wave of M and A action in the. Uh in the gold sector here at the moment, but they're all squabbling over one million ounce deposits, if that. And, and look, that's you know that that's uh, that's the arbitrage, if you like, between where we are and and in Australia. But uh, um, you know, in a in a jurisdiction such as in Malaysia, um, you just uh, you just think, hey, you know, let's get on with it. There we go, folks. A very interesting story, a name that we'll be hearing a lot more from as uh, the expiration target gets chased down and uh, eventually we move into production development plan for what uh, is uh, going to be a very sizable potential operation. So with that, Ray, thanks for your time today. Best of luck with it uh, all and we'll be watching with interest. Thanks very much, Barry. Really appreciate it. And uh, I hope uh, we've engendered some some interest, as you say, from all listeners. Cheers. Cheers. This episode of the Explorers podcast was sponsored by RM Corporate Finance, an active participant in emerging companies around the globe.